Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I feel like I have a lot going on this weekend. I have like three podcast recordings and I had a a children's party and um, I just feel really stretched this weekend, but I think it's due because the last couple of weekends I had nothing to do. (laughs) Like I was literally at home (laughs) just chilling. So it was bound to happen that those so just stacked up pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) i gotcha uh i work today i work tomorrow so my weekends are work my weekends are now thursday fridays that's Mm. my weekends uh and so what i did was on one of my weekend days i went to the movies we went to the movies yeah we've we've seen the last couple of movies together which is really weird we haven't gone to the movies in a long time together it's been a it's while. Like pretty rare when we go, but the it's last couple of times, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the last couple of times we've gone, and I have a feeling n- not next week, but the week after, maybe we'll be going again. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the movie that we talked about was the creator. Yeah, I wanted to mention something since we watched it together. We watched it in a different location so to speak uh yeah you got the tickets for us i got the tickets because there were because of how busy i am this weekend there were very few time slots that we could see this movie and then record and so i chose a 6 30 p.m showing on a friday night which i thought wouldn't be that packed um i was wrong it was super packed and the dolby theater that had that showing was almost sold out crazy enough yeah so to find oh yeah go ahead go ahead yeah well you were trying to find three seats because it was you me and your sister so then we ended up in a spot that we haven't sat in in a very (laughs) long time and that was in the mezzanine area of dolby yeah so for those people who have not experienced dolby imagine uh stadium seating and then when you get to a certain level you just have to jump up to a mezzanine area mm-hmm. to be able to get to the next set of seats. So we sat in the mezzanine for the first time since uh, the Grinch. In the- 2018, maybe? Wow. That's a long time. Long time without sitting in those seats. Um, Two out of three of us bad. fell asleep for the Grinch in 2018. Oh, yeah. But oh, for seats. sure. <laughs> that movie was... I don't know if it was boring or if it. I was also tired as both. well. It was both. It was both. It was a good <laughs> nap, though. It was a good nap. Yeah. Um, this time we sat there and we'll get into our thoughts. But how did it feel being up there watching the movie? Let's let's at least well, say that. I didn't like it at first and then I got used to it pretty fast. I still would never prefer to sit up there. No. No, exactly. I think if it's a sold out movie and it's on a type just like you, like you're on a time crunch, I need to watch the movie, I'll make mm-hmm. do with it. Right. But if there are other showings where you can like, you know, <laughs> dine in or whatever yeah. then we'll Well the we'll... thing is I don't think they had any dine in for no. Friday night. It was just Dolby C- Dolby showings, which not that many Dolby showings, and no. then a bunch of showings in a regular theater. 
And I'll be damned. And I'll be fucking damned <laughs> if I sit in a regular theater seat without no re- electric recliner in the year of our Lord 2023. Okay. Exactly. So. So. <laughs> let's go ahead and let's talk about this movie. But before we do, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It is such a great way for you to get involved and show your support and get a shit ton of extra content. So you can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And here we go. Shout out to our patrons, Curtis Bale, Cindy CD, Alana Grace, Lorna Lee, Sammy, Caitlin, Michelle, Tenmei, Adia, and Aram, new patron. I hope I say your name right, but thank you. Thank you all for being patrons. Really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for joining the party. And now let's go ahead and talk about the movie that we watched. And now, again, the creator, Jessica, let us know what that movie is about. IMDb synopsis reads, against the backdrop of a war between humans and robots with artificial intelligence, a former soldier finds the secret weapon, a robot in the form of a young child. Now, this movie is directed by Gareth Edwards, mm-hmm. his first movie in seven years. Yes. He he directed uh, Rogue One. Yeah. And then there was a lot of reshoots, and apparently that movie was completed by Tony Gilroy. Uh, so... He's been kind of just like sitting there not doing anything for a while. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And now he's back finally in the sci-fi genre. He also co-wrote it and alongside Chris uh, White's. And the movie stars John David Washington, Madeline Yuna v- Voiles. Voiles? Uh, Voiles, maybe. Maybe it's Voiles. Uh, Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, Ken Watanabe, uh, Sturgill Simpson, Amar uh, Chadha Patel, Mark Menchaka, uh, Robbie Tan, and Ralph Ennison. Uh, so, a uh, solid cast because uh, I told you this. We're going to talk about how much it made, but I told you that this movie, its budget was only $80 million mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a sci fi movie that does look the part. Like, it does have some. Um, like it, it looks more expensive than it is. Yes, and I still am baffled by how the Flash could be more than twice that. I don't get it. Oh, um, oh, don't yeah. do this. Anyway, don't uh, compare the... it. <laughs> or how about everything, everywhere, all at once, and the effects in there, which are miles better than some MCU stuff with oh, triple, God, yes. quadruple, f- ten times the budget. Oh, that. Everything everywhere all at once. So anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So this movie, uh, it's projected box office because we are recording during the weekend. So we don't have the full numbers, but it is projected to make 14 million, which looks like it's good for third place. Falling behind Saw X at number two. Oh, right. And the number one movie of the weekend, Paw Patrol. Yeah. Mighty movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So the Rotten Tomatoes score. 67% 67% critic score and a 74% audience score. The 
Critics Consensus reads, visually stunning and packed with spectacular set pieces, the creator serves up timely, well-acted sci-fi that satisfies in the moment, even if it lacks substance. Wow. I that's don't understand that at all. That's I think interesting. That's, that's wrong, but we'll talk through it, I guess. Let's talk through it. So what are your thoughts on the creator? I thought it was really good. I had very low expectations. I think John David Washington has a penchant for actually choosing <laughs> movies that look good but never resonate with audiences and gets them mm. in seats, which is crazy to think of that because what was the first thing I saw him in? Tenet? Yes. <laughs> Tenet, and then I saw some Netflix movie with him in it. And none of the movies, I mean, other than oh. Tenet... You're talking about the Netflix movie with uh, yes, Zendaya. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, Malcolm so and there's Marie. two Netflix oh. movies then because there's an action one and then there's Malcolm and Marie. Oh, I'm trying to think of the action one. Yeah, this came out a few years back, like two, okay. two years back maybe. And every single one of those movies is either amazing or pretty good. Okay. And I don't understand why he's just it's feeling very um taylor kitsch at this point i don't know oh no it's not his fault i I don't think it's his fault at all but well let me let me ask you this question because i think this is a big question so john david washington comes from pedigree he is the son of he's an epo baby exactly denzel denzel um so like you said tenant he was in this. He's been there is an there. old episode from us reviewing Tenant. I had to get pad and paper out, pad and paper, pen and paper out to complete the review because I was so fucking confused. <laughs> that movie confused me to no end. So if you want to hear me have like a nervous breakdown on the podcast, scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to that. But talk to me about John David Washington. So. The thing about John David Washington, I think that you can see some of his dad in him in terms of like mannerisms and the way he speaks and stuff like that. I don't think he's as charismatic as his dad, which is a problem because I think that in order to play the parts that he's playing, that we've seen him play, we need a charismatic figure to really root for. And I don't think he's given us that in in the performances, the big performances that we've seen him in, like Tenet and this. Like these are big movies that, you know, have a bit of, you know, humanity like tied in, you know, they're hidden in between like set pieces, mm-hmm. you know, you come for the show, but like you stay for like the heart and the heart is not quite there. Now, maybe it's not his problem. Maybe it's the writing because he worked with Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards, um, his movies, if you look at them and we're talking about Rogue One, we're talking about this, we're talking about Godzilla in 2014, great spectacle. But the human characters, except for the help of Tony Gilroy, don't really amount to much. So could be the writing. And also on Tenet, like notorious Chris Nolan, who, you know, like he he is all about spectacle and, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't really get to the heart of characters that well. And I, I love Nolan, but I can totally admit 
<laughs> Sometimes he doesn't know how to write he's not characters well. Not a character. Well. He's not a character writer person. guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So um, maybe it's a mix of the two, or maybe it's just bad luck that he's worked with people who don't work well with characters, well written characters. I think you're onto something, but I also don't want to fully subscribe to what you're saying because okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving you know JDW some some credit but yeah. i will say for tenet i feel like the person who steals the show is is our pats yeah it is like he has the most charisma out of anybody in that cast yeah and you're kind does. of like interested in what he's doing and what he's saying and whatever you know what i'm yeah. feeling you know what no, i'm saying I, I know and exactly john what david washington saying. is the protagonist yeah literally <laughs> literally that is basically the name yes. of the character yes when you look it up on imdb on for tenet it is the protagonist uh so yeah, I don't. That's why I'm. That's why I wanted to throw in the idea of working with writers mm-hmm. who don't do characters all that well. Yes. So yes. maybe I. I'm going to lie on that. I'm going to okay. rely on that. That that's okay. the reason why. Maybe the the different things that John David Washington has pursued maybe are not connecting with audiences mm. that all that well because. Bad timing, like Tenet came out in the middle of the pandemic, and then mm-hmm. this movie they thought it was going to be the Maverick that saved theaters, right? And you know, <laughs> then we eventually got out. that, yeah. we eventually got that. Um, and then with this one, he couldn't even promote this movie because no. of the writer and actor strike. Which, by yeah. the way, as of now, the writers have finally reached a resolution, Come to an agreement, but they're just waiting for the guild to say. It's over. Strike's done. Exactly. So yeah. there's an agreement. Uh, the actors are still on strike for their mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. strike purposes. So uh, so not being able to promote this movie as well also comes at a detriment as well. So I think there's just too many. It, it's an incomplete on mm-hmm. John David Washington because his career looks promising, and, but... There's too many factors that have gone around him that is mm. just making it tough to grade whether or not he can resonate with audiences or if it just happens to be that the writers and then external influences are causing all these issues for him. So Very interesting. Okay. Now, Glad we talked that through. So yeah. anyway, back to your initial question. Did I, what did I think of this movie? I thought it yeah. was very good. So did I. Yeah. I, very good. So I really have come around to original stories now how original the story is Uh. (laughs) but the fact that you know it's not an existing ip you know it's not a sequel to anything it's an original thing i really appreciate that number one so so i was interested in the journey of what gareth edwards was doing with the movie Mm. and you can see his influences he wears them on his sleeve like Terminator is a big influence here. Blade Runner is a big influence. Um, um, he, the Bible, like just the yeah, Christ story. The Christ, the Messiah, you know, messianic figure. figure is also heavily in here as well. Even some tale, well, not tales. I would say like the influence that the United States military has had in Asia, you know, and kind of using that in this movie so you can even draw parallels to something like apocalypse now if you're talking about movies or if you're just talking about real life the role of the american military complex in 
Vietnam, Korea, all that stuff. There's a lot of it that you can kind of draw from and you can see his inspiration. A lot of it is not very subtle. It's a kind of like Oh a no, it's pretty heavy huge homage. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I love when when he plays around with scale. So like when when you're on the beach, for example, in the movie and you're looking up and you see the nomad and the way it looks on screen and just the visual representation of different things. I really enjoy that he knows how to point the camera at something and make it's it a, look big. Right. He feels like a visionary. Yes. Especially he when you watch this movie, it feels like there's a clear vision. It feels like he wanted to try something different within the same wheelhouse that we've seen before because sci-fi unfortunately it draws from each other like everything is sort of oh that did well well there's going to be another movie that will come along and try and cash in on the same audience that like these same things right that's true which is not necessarily a bad thing it's just you know you have to recognize that you know if star wars did well now there's all these space movies now there's this now there's that whatever this movie, I feel like, was cashing in on the fact that Ter- Terminator and AI and all the other AI robot movies that have come before it, it's not necessarily, tw- you know, the year 4000 that this is happening. Okay, like this is happening now, today. We're dealing with AI very heavily in the past couple of years alone. And it's like the wild, wild west out here. So the movies that are coming out are sort of in that same vein. And they're kind of bringing back these old ideas, which were cutting edge back when sort of like these sci-fi books were were being written in the 50s and 60s and 70s when it was like new thinking and computers were just starting up. And like you had these really prescient, like foreboding and almost like prophesying ideas about technology and the way we'll live in the future and this is the same you know thing basically we're just taking it into a rather realistic direction i mean i'm sure that (laughs) you might think like robot children and ai (laughs) blowing up the world is you know a little far-fetched but that's, I don't think so. I, I don't think don't it think so. is. Yeah. You want to know why? I don't think. And I, I'm sorry to like kind of take it into this direction. Oh, Lord. So what are you it, about it, to say? Just, you know. Don't get too heavy handed. We're not, not that too serious. heavy. No, okay. but basically like there are like robots now that people can buy for pleasure. Yeah, correct. So pleasure the bots. fact that if we're there already, like what's to stop? you from thinking that in the future they'll be more advanced and you know and then we'll be interacting with them on a daily basis you know almost at a peer level type of thing so like we're doing this to ourselves man i know i know <laughs> it's crazy like we <laughs> we haven't learned anything skynet has it's been real. a term that we've been using for over 30 years now at this point almost 40 and nana companies just Powering through, plowing just through. plowing through like ah, AI. It's the wave of the future. And every other like filmmaker is like so showing. With whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think that they should. There we go. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, Ian we'll Malcolm. see what happens. <laughs> Ian Malcolm, it, you know, just a 
Fortune Center a profit for <laughs> everything that's going on. Um, I think I told you when we walked out of the theater that there's there's really two kinds of AI movies. The ones that are mortifyingly scary. Yes. And the ones that are ridiculously sad. Yes. And I feel like there's not really an in-between. Yeah, you're, you're right. Because I think you even came up with a list of like movies centered around AI in some way. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the list, there's not a happy bunch in them. Maybe one. Maybe, Maybe. one. Maybe. But we're talking about stuff like Ex Machina, Her... Uh, Megan that just came out earlier this year. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, Robot, Westworld, Blade Runner, Terminator. The only one that I could say that maybe, uh, and obviously the the biggest one, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. But like the one that you could say maybe is a happy ending one or, you know, is Wally. You know, mm-hmm. that would probably be the only one that you can say. Oh, that one had a nice. That but one again, had a nice ending. Humans ruined the earth. They yep. have to go on cruise ships in space. <laughs> they were um, basically enslaving the the robots on board. Yep. And AI was was holding down, holding back humanity from going back to Earth. I yep. mean, it was like nuts. So there's still like scary elements where you're like, well, shit. And then you have this cute ass Wally robot, which you're rooting for. He's the hero he's a hero so yeah so crazy stuff with ai and you're right that ai in movies is never a good thing never a positive thing it's it's mixed right yeah because you're rooting for the robot in wally you're sort of rooting for the robot in megan in a way yeah you're you know because humans some sometimes t- are the worst. They're the fucking worst. So they can't let a good thing live. So there's always where you're like, man, they're making the wrong decision. Or they don't have any compassion for AI. Or how much humanity can we afford a robot? Like, you know, it's all these very ethical questions that come up in these movies. And more often than not, the humans are n- are evil. Like, maybe Terminator's the only one where you're like, okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, let's okay. Let's settle down and kill. We the didn't robot. instigate it on that one. <laughs> no, we created it, but we weren't instigating it. Um, you can even see it in real life, where with this whole writer strike and actor strike, they are fighting AI, and the big crux of it is don't use our likeness, and then yeah. not pay us to use the likeness. And, and that's then, a big part of well, not a big part, but a sub like topic in this movie the creator which is donating your likeness yeah donating your likeness for these simulants to be able to be used and then the writers on their end don't use ai to try to create scripts when you have us humans and the ceos up until this moment were like you know the writers and the actors are being unreasonable for what they're asking it's like no they're not no they're not you are trying to replace them yeah. You're trying to replace them with AI. You're trying to use an algorithm to try to create your next hot show or you're trying to create AI so that way you can have background actors and not have to pay them for day's work. You know, evil stuff that's, you know, these companies are doing just for the bottom line. 
just for their own pockets. Ridiculous. Anyway, that's a side. But then the same studios make movies like. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Like anyway. (laughs) Anyway, what is this double-edged sword? Um, (laughs) so you've liked the movie as well. Yes, I do. Um, I think that overall, when it comes to visually, I think visually this movie is very the Oscars since Dune is pushed. I mean, this movie I feel like could. Is a contender. Yeah, for, for sure. best visual. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to effects. think, like, who else can you make a case for? And even if Dune was still on the playing board, I I still feel like this is a very, it should be nominated. It should oh, be yeah, looked yeah. at. I mean, it's very good. Yes. You said the budget was 80 mil. Yeah. I know exactly where they spent that 80 mil. Yeah. They spent it in the right place. You know, because it looks really good. All the robots look real. It looks that was like they filmed it in fucking Vietnam with real robots running through the fields. It's like crazy. So something that I was reading is, um, yeah, so they shot on location and what they were what they did was they what they called they reverse engineered the effects to what they shot. Which I thought this was something that they were doing. It was already happening. That's what I thought. Yeah. But basically they would shoot something and then they would fill in those gaps with the visual effects that they were doing. So whether like shooting up at the sky and then putting in the Nomad mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I was like, I thought this was like common. Right. Same. Same. But uh, I guess it isn't. I guess I most guess people like... Do the visual effects first and then try to fill in the gaps with real life stuff. But yeah, just noticing from like recent big tent poles, it doesn't look good. So I'm glad Gareth Edwards knew what he was doing. Sort of like a practical way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. Let's get the shot the way we want it to be. And then we'll worry about inserting a you know, a spaceship, exactly. <laughs> a, flying, a flying thing or, or, you know, a robot head here and there. It almost looked like they had people running around in costume and then their head or whatever was like in a, like a, a one of those like masks, like yeah, the green, green mask or something. Masks. Or they had like dots on their face so that they knew where to replace for the robot head. You know what I'm saying? Like they, it honestly looked so real it looked very real yeah when some of those robots would walk around and Mm -hmm. like run around alongside the humans and you're Mm -hmm. like wow this looks really and even even the effect of like the simulants where Mm -hmm. they have like half a face and then the rest of the back of their neck is like right the cranium is like gone it's um yeah mechanism that looks like incredible to me and I, I kept thinking, like, I wonder how they did that. Like, but uh, you're of such course. a stickler for CGI too. And I really had no problem in this movie. This movie was done very well. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it just seamless mm-hmm. to me was really cool. Uh, story wise, the story itself, the the messianic type of figure that has been created in this particular case to save humanity or save AI in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I I was already thinking where the movie was going. I won't spoil it yet, but I kind of figured out like a couple of the details that 
we get revealed towards oh, yeah, the end yeah. of the movie. I don't think it's necessarily like you can't guess the ending. Right. And I also feel like the ending is very much in line with with Rogue One. Yes. I agree. I mean, if you superimposed, I mean, if someone did this, and I'm sure there's someone who can after the fact, but if someone d- took the ending of the creator and put the ending of Rogue One alongside it, they would it would be beat for beat very close. Yes. I very much agree. Um doesn't I would say that usually in a case like that where somebody's kind of like borrowing from themselves mm-hmm. um, could be viewed as, you know, just being derivative on top of one another. But um, I didn't feel that way with this one. I didn't feel that way either, that it was a bad idea for him to do that, because I feel ultimately that it it worked. It does. Yeah. Because... You do get attached to the character, especially the little girl. No, the little girl is the heart and soul of this whole movie. Yes, completely is. And your her performance movie. carries it and helps John David Washington. Yes. Oh, yes, for sure. She is wonderful in it. Um, I think the movie doesn't really do much with Gemma Chan. Or I feel Ken like Watanabe. No. I think that they're both underused in this movie. I agree. Especially for the role that Gemma Chan plays. But like, you know what? I like this better than Eternals. For, for yes. Gemma. For Gemma. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eternals, not great. Not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, <laughs> uh, another person that just kind of, st- or two people. We'll talk about the villain of this movie real quick. Uh, I don't, it's not a spoiler to say they're the villain. Uh, Allison Janney as Bro, uh, Colonel Howell. I couldn't even recognize her at first. <laughs> like she came hair. on screen and I was like, okay. And then she starts talking and I was like, Eperate, is that Allison Janey? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we couldn't yeah. get her name. We were trying to like place her name. Yeah, because we you, turned to you. <laughs> yeah, you turned to me and you were like, who is it? What's her yeah, name? And that? I was like, Allison Janney. We were like, oh, because I had like Allie. Yeah, no, no you were getting close. Around it. Yeah, yeah. You were dancing around it. Um, but yeah, Janny, great performance as just a ruthless, you know, colonel. She gave a really good performance, I thought. Yeah. Because there is a, a changeover in the movie where you're sort of, you're rooting for the humans at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though it's a little bit scary to see some of the rhetoric that's around their mandate to stop the robots and AI. It's a little, it's too, too strong. Yeah. And it to, it reminds me of um, the Iraqi war. Yeah, it does. A lot. I guess that's just our generation. If we were a, an earlier generation, it would probably remind us of like Vietnam. Yeah. The Vietnam war. But anyway, depending on your generation, it'll be a little bit like triggering. <laughs> but then later you're kind of you're still on her side you're still like thinking that she's okay a good character maybe morally gray but ultimately you're rooting for her and rooting for the mission and then <laughs> there is a changeover in the movie where you're like oh fuck like <laughs> i'm rooting for the wrong people yeah 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 that happens 
probably would you say halfway through the movie? Yeah, like about halfway through the about movie. About halfway. Kind of like, they, wait a sec. <laughs> they do a good job of getting you there. That's a good twist, I would say. Yes. On the audience, not necessarily the beats that happen later. Yeah, which those could be perceived as twists too. Like you're like, okay, I knew that was gonna happen. I knew this was the reveal or whatever, but. Allison Janie and her mission and how she comports herself and how evil she turns out to be a more manipulative and um, one track mind. And you, yeah. all the clues were there, too. Yeah, they were. That she would have a stake in this and want this to go a certain way. Yeah, she she even lays it out early on in the movie. She does. Like what happened. So yeah. So, yeah, so I think that the movie does a good job of setting you up, like you said, hey, these are the humans and they're losing You think she has compassion. Computers. Yeah. But she doesn't. No. She's kind of out for revenge. Yeah. There's yeah. a vendetta. There's a vendetta there and it's personal. So, anyway, long story short, I really liked her character yeah. and I loved her, her villain. Yes. Yes, I did. And then the last person, uh, which is the friend... Uh, his name is Drew in the movie. It's Sturgill Simpson. Uh, the only reason why I wanted to mention him is because he's not an actor. What? He is a singer. And it threw me off for a second. I was like, Shut wait up. a minute. I know this guy. Why does he Shut look up. so familiar? Shut up and right it's now. Because he's a singer. Um, Sturgill Simpson, he is a country music singer, but not. Not like the country singers of like, uh, I, I don't even know the names, but who are the- Tim McGraw, I'm naming- No, not like that. Okay. It's more like Jason Isbell, like there's rock to it. There's some rock to the <laughs> okay. country. Um, and he's an incredible Neo songwriter. Neo-country. <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't know that he's like taking a stab into- so well, neither did I. Off. Well, I had no idea he was a singer. Yeah. That just, goes to show how much I listen to country music. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so in yeah. a sci-fi movie? In a sci-fi movie, all things. With like know? deep ethics and morality quandaries. Here comes Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> Here comes Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> I bet. All right. Bet. So uh, anything else before we get into No, no, spoilers? no. Let's just get into spoilers. Let's do it. Wait, what did you give this movie? I gave this movie a B plus. So did I. All right. B plus it is. All right. So we're going to go ahead and talk for spoilers about the creator right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for the creator. So I would say let's talk about the twists. So number one, when we get introduced to what the weapon is, it's the ch it's a child. Which that was spoiled in the trailers. Right. Now, what specifically about this twist is that they created a robot child. Because that's up growing. until right, that's growing, which is that's the big thing. Yeah. Because up until now, it's just robots, adult robots usually, and they just put a skin on it, 
and they just go. But this is a live being that's growing. Mm-hmm. That is like half human, half robot that's growing, which is insane to think about. Mm-hmm. And so that's... And she I has special powers. She does. She's able to manipulate electronics. Yeah. Kind of like an EMP, pretty much. Right. Well, she can send out EMP. That's true. Um, electromagnetic pulse to shut off things, turn things she on She could and shut off. off things. She could turn on things as well. Yeah. And... Yeah, that was the first twist that this movie kind of gives us is like, oh, this is more than what it looks like. And then the other twists kind of feel just like you can guess them. You know, there's obviously an attachment between John David Washington and this child. And it turns out that the child is modeled uh after what would have been his child. With Gemma Chan's With Gemma Chan. So, um, the one thing I didn't see coming was that Gemma Chan was Nermato. Oh, I I figured that out. That one I was a little... They were like, like her, her intel says that her father is Nermata, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Who is the creator? That's Nepalese yes. for creator. And so, I was like, she's definitely... Had, she's not who she says she is. She's not like this regular person who's just in the middle of this war and raised by robots she's definitely a nermata that was my thought process i didn't expect that she wasn't that she was in a coma for five years yeah i thought that she was dead i thought they were just baiting him the whole time like teasing that she was alive to get him to do what they wanted and then the reveal uh-huh. would be she's not actually she's alive. She's been dead. She's not actually alive. But she was almost dead. Um, she was in a coma for five years. And then what was funny was, because t- we've I've seen people in comas before, and I told Bex, my sister, I was like, she wasn't intubated, though. They just had one of those like over-the-mouth um, breathing apparatuses. And she was like, yeah, I know it's not really realistic, but then also this is like the future. So like, who the fuck knows? And I was like, (laughs) you got a point. You got a point. She does have a point. (laughs) So I think the twists themselves kind of, you can walk into them and kind of guess that they're going to happen. So I don't think this movie's surprising really in any way. No, I think what's um, what's nice and unique about it is not just the visuals, but I guess the, I think the moral quandaries are done really well. And it does take you on a journey where if you are in the, if you are human, right, which all of us are coming at this from the human perspective, um, it starts you off there, right? Which there was a nuclear bomb that was set off in LA by supposedly the AI. And now there's a vendetta against AI. And it's been rooted out in the States, but any other country harboring these terrorists (laughs) is now a target of the US. And it's not that they don't care. It's not that they how do I put this? The war isn't with the country. It's with the insurgents or whatever that are living in whatever countries. And they do establish this new Asia. What did you think of this new Asia? I mean, 
they gave it a name, but it's not really like they did anything special. It's like Southeast Asia. It is. Thailand, all those countries together. You know, <laughs> Nepal. Yeah, they all just mix them all together mm-hmm. instead of differentiating each one. Right. Um, and there was a mix of languages when they sure. were over in New Asia. There was like a whole mess of languages that they were speaking, which was kind of nice. But then also I wanted to know what languages they were speaking. Oh, it's definitely an amalgamation. You think they it was an amalgamation? At, or they probably focused on like ne- because they said Nepal, Nepalese. Right. So they mm-hmm. probably focused on that one and that's it mm-hmm. for the movie, at least. I don't think they went through multiple. Okay. Now, I don't know why they called it New Asia. They yeah, didn't really go into like it the backstory. Asia. There. It could like, be. I don't. Anyway, this is in the future, so who knows what happens? But <laughs> 2065. <laughs> I can't, I can't. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're I like, well, but, um, I think what was really good about this also was that you had this child who was learning about this world and yes. what it means to, um, be human, I guess, or just be humane, um. And she was asking questions like, what is heaven? Oh, man. You know, what is death? Uh, who goes to heaven? Which we're, we're a Christian, so we don't we don't believe what John David Washington said, which is like, you just have to be a good person to go to heaven. Right, I can't course. go because I'm not good. Um, and she was like, well, this is in the tr- one of the trailers, I think, too, where she says, okay, well, I guess we both can't go to heaven because you're not good and I'm not a person. Yeah. Which is gutting, you know, it like is. this little girl. <laughs> and then the oh man, later, later on, uh, when when they have her, when they've captured her, and John no, David stop. Washington goes, and she goes, "Am I going to heaven?" No. Oh man, <laughs> very good acting by her. So cute. She was so good. They did a really good job at pulling at the heartstrings there. I will say one thing that got me laughing is reading something from post movie was, you know, a lone figure who's, you know, got trauma and now is aided by a young character (laughs) that they're looking after. And they were like, I'm surprised that Pedro Pascal wasn't available. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's very true it it's is true he's already true. got two under his belt for with that same yep. type of thing yep it's um, a good formula it's a good it formula is, uh you know wolf and cub type of formula it works yep. people love it mm-hmm. i think that some movies and stuff use it too often or too much like obi-wan kenobi the show like had no business doing that with <laughs> young leia i young don't leia, get it that's right that made no sense to me, but okay. Um, but okay. <laughs> uh, so okay, uh, you know what was really cool that they that they did in this movie, and this is world building stuff. I like that they would basically take like a memory card. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And put it into another simulant to kind of either get the memories or like lasting f- moments of the person who's dying or something. So they had like a mechanism that they would go around the head so they would 
read the brain waves, capture it on a on a disk drive, and then put that disk drive in the back of the neck of a simulant. That I thought that was pretty cool, like an innovative design choice. Like mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um Anything else that like really stood out to there you? There was a lot of irony, I guess, with what the U.S. was using. Oh, yes. Because they were still using computers. They were still using robots. They were still using, like, you know, things that were talking to them. Yeah. You like, know, and I was like, okay, so it, it's it's very hypocritical, I guess. They made it a point in when they're attacking and they send those running bombs. Oh, yeah. And the first one. That was a great touch. I don't know. That was like very was. impressionante. Because what they did was they they order the bomb to go out and it hesitates. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, is there a problem? And then, no, ma'am, it's been an honor serving you. And so then it takes off. So, like, obviously there is something in them that is causing... Hesitancy. The hesitation because they're about to die. They're, they're getting, about to die. They're literally a bomb with arms and legs and it's running. It's, it's like a kamikaze. Yeah. And something that they kind of specified throughout the movie, especially early on. And it's that whenever you would hear like a robot dying, like you would hear them like wailing and crying. And and John David Washington early on is like, they're not real. Yes, it's just, it's just programming. programming. It's just programming. And but as the movie carries on, he becomes a believer. He becomes a believer and he sees for himself that robots and humans can coexist and can live lives where emotionally like there is a connection. Right, because robots, and then they kept showing this example in Gemma Chan's life and in other, you know, vignettes that the robots can't have children, but because of life, there's a ton of like different orphans that are out on the streets and they would just adopt kids yeah, and raise them as their own and there would be a true parental bond there and Gemma Chan gave this crazy emotional story about how one robot lost its human child that it had adopted and then she unplugged herself because she couldn't live without her child and that's a fucking robot that's a robot that's a robot yeah like you can't program that no no matter how hard you like try like the fact that it chose yes to make that decision wouldn't would not live without its child like that's not something you could program is very emotional it is so this movie does some really good things and it's very enjoyable i i definitely recommend it for people Um, i do too especially if they're sci-fi people like Mm -hmm. definitely check this out um movies like this definitely should get the you know the benefit from people checking it out in theaters especially because if you want different movies, if you don't want the same thing, check movies that like this out. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get more movies and more movies that are original, you know, that aren't attached to something. So anything else that you want to say about the movie before we get out of here? I think there's something about um, the military industrial, com- mm. industrial complex. Yeah. 
that is really big. And maybe it starts with that uh, robot that they, the suicide robots. Yeah. That they were telling the bombs to go and run into like these crowds and just detonate. But that could easily be a human soldier that they're sending off to war. Yeah. And they know won't make it. That is very true. There are constantly missions that the people in charge know this is not the likelihood of surviving very low. So I felt like that was a nice, well, difficult parallel, but I feel like it's definitely there. And then also Nomad just being this ever present threat over top of New Asia and God knows what other countries (laughs) in this futuristic society and um it kind of felt like america's presence in the middle east mm. in the 2000s mm. where we were constantly around and we had different you know installations in mm-hmm. different countries throughout that entire right. time right that's what it kind of it kind of drew parallel i think it that. was more than that like they took it to the nth with basically this this space station that would just descend on the earth whenever they needed it. And there was literally nothing that those countries could do to defend against this and this thing that was like in the sky. And they made no secret about targets and different things, which was really interesting to me that stealth was out the window. Yeah. And that did, I don't know, that was like messing with me because if I was, um, in charge of the military, I would want to ensure stealth. Yeah, they on they, any mission or like target, and they would just the the beam of light that would come down and sort of like triangulate different things. I guess like that was my what, what I thought was happening. It was a, such an impressive visual, but then also like you just knew it was around and you were in its sights. Yeah, because I think this was. The military more showing that we're we're not trying to infiltrate you or anything like that. No, we're trying to stop you and we're going to show our force when we do it because we don't want people to think that they have a chance. So it's a big, bold type of move because Mm -hmm. it's not just with the ship. If you remember the attack by the by, you know, on the complex. Mm hmm. These giant tanks that just said U.S. Army. Right. Yeah. And there were multiple. And they are just showing their force and just crumbling these houses and destroying everything. Mm -hmm. They want to prove a point. Like, not only are we going to win this war, but you're not even going to attempt. Right. You're not even going to attempt to try to retaliate against this force that we're showing. That's kind of how it felt. And it, it speaks volumes to the way people view the American industrial or how pop, Gareth military. Edwards or how Gareth views Edwards views the, it. Yeah. The way he views the military complex, especially the American one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of people around the world kind of have a similar view of like the way America likes to tout its military, you know, strength. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By being everywhere at once. How do you feel about the villain being a female colonel? 
I don't have any issue with it at all. No, no, it's not that you had an issue. I'm just thinking. Oh, just like in general? Yeah, like I feel like that was a big deal because you have Nirmada, who's you find out is Gemma Chan, female, mother. Mm -hmm. Mother. And then you have this general, Allison Janey, who's also a mother. That was her whole story was that her son died at the hands, was tortured and killed at the hands of AI. Yes. Like devious AI. I think that is something definitely you can read into. Like right. the strength of a mother and how far they're willing to go mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of either protecting life or avenging life. Mm-hmm. So a mother's love is one of the strongest things on earth. Like, right. And it's not even like you can't even calculate it. Right. And then you also had that story that I said earlier from Gemma Chan's character about the female mother robot who turned herself off after her daughter died. I think that's a a large topic there. Like that's a huge theme that's running throughout is motherhood and love in in many different forms. Maybe it's destructive the way that Alice and Janie's kernel is. Or it's edifying, like Gemma Chan's Maya, her that, love is. Uh, you can write a paper on that alone. You can. You definitely, really could. Definitely. Did you like the little her f- f- uh, story in there with Sturgill Simpson's um, loving oh, a robot? Yeah. This loving man came around. I think they're called Sims. Robots like literally look simulants. like robots. And then the ones that look like humans are simulants. Right. Exactly. So the so ones that look like him. you. Yeah, he was alone with the sim. And he came around because he he was like, don't go native on me. He, he yes. said to John David Washington. And now all of a sudden this man is like fully, in, you know, infiltrated with a simulant. So, I mean, love just happens in so many <laughs> different ways. Like we've like we're talking about AI. The movie Her mm-hmm. is just falling in love with a voice. Mm-hmm. That is computer generated, you know? So, yeah. Well, love. it has personality and it has, exactly. you know, the whole thing. Also, it's like a know, real person. If, if it's the voice of Scarlett Johansson. And then it's ScarJo. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so there's that. There's that. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a very good movie. I The more I talk about it, like, the more I Yeah, the really, more you like it. The more I like it. And I really urge people if... If you're looking for a movie to see in theaters and, you know, you've already seen. And you want that big budget. You want that high, you know, the Hollywood look. This is a movie that falls into that category. Exactly. One thing I will say, and it's something that I noticed that you were doing. What? It it was during the the chapter reveals. (gasps) You just like throwing your hands up because Because I know how much you hate them. and. I started laughing so hard when I saw that the first chapter came up and it was the child. And I was yes. like, and and I saw your hand just like. <laughs> they got me. <laughs> they got you. They got you. So. All right. So, yeah, this was a very good movie. Very enjoyable. And check it out if you can. Uh, so first off, thank you for listening to this episode. Very much appreciated. Uh, check us out on our socials. You already know all of them. Find us at Always Critic Pod. That's how you can find us. If you've done that, go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast app. 
We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Give us a five-star review while you're there. And then if you've done all that, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. So that way you can go ahead and support us for as little as $2 a month. That is much cheaper than coffee nowadays because coffee has gone up. Yeah. So check that out, patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And then next week, we're going to be doing a Netflix movie. Yes, next week. It's already <laughs> next week. Um, we're doing not only a Netflix movie, but a Korean movie. Yeah, it'll be a crossover. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> what a is crossover this? episode. I <laughs> <laughs> was waiting for you to do that. You didn't Love do it. it. I had to prompt you. <laughs> so, uh, so check that out. If you want to watch this movie and then talk, listen to us talk about it, it's going to be Ballerina on netflix so um a little bit of john s john wick-esque type of action yeah so check that out and then listen to us talk about it so besides that that has been our episode i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always the critic podcast (laughs) 